Welcome. How are you all doing this morning? Uh-oh. Um, well, it's good to see you. I'm glad to see those of you that are here on this holiday weekend, those of you who don't go up north or whatever it is you do. The only announcement that I can think to make is that next week we'll return to our usual service start time of 10.30 in the morning. Is there another announcement on here? Oh, the blood drive. And um, so in a, we, so. Next Sunday service, we return to the 10.30 in the morning start time. The other announcement to make is that we're hosting a blood drive next Friday. And uh, you can sign up online or you can let Donica know we have spots for you to help out on the day of to just to help people get oriented. It's a really easy job. I mean, you just make sure there are Cheez-Its 
on a table, really, um, and just make sure people get oriented. Um, and then, of course, you can also sign up uh, to, to donate blood in this uh, pandemic time. There's a critical shortage, and so uh, if you can or if you want to give blood, it's, it's, um, it really helps people out. 12 to 5, Donica says. 12 to 5 next Friday. With that, if there are no other announcements, I will invite you all to join me in reciting the church's chalice lighting. It's printed in your order of service, and it begins. We light this chalice for the light of truth, the warmth of love, and the fire of commitment. We light this symbol of our faith as we gather together. You're welcome to rise in spirit or body for our opening hymn number 301, Touch the Earth, Reach the Sky. For those of you who have not had a chance to meet me yet, my name is Jessica Zimmer, and I am UU Wasa's new DRE, or Director of Religious Education. Earlier this week, I mentioned to Brian I was really struggling to write my introductory pieces. I never quite know what to include in these. Somehow to tell you that I'm a tourist that loves collecting rocks on the beach feels a bit off point. And to tell you once that I had a nun call my parents to pick me up early for my CCD class because I was, and I quote, asking too many questions, which may have foreshadowed my path to Unitarian Universalism, seems like a good story, but maybe not the one for today. So what I will share with you is a blessing to be here with you all this morning. This is my ninth year as a DRE, and I have served the U congregations in Fargo, North Dakota, Duluth, Minnesota, and Coralville, Iowa. But as many as you know, I am no stranger to Yuyuasa, 
In fact, I believe the last time I was on this stage was when my children were dedicated at this congregation. And I have very fond memories of swaying with my daughter at the back of the sanctuary because she decided no matter how much baby-soothing magic the nursery workers have, it was at least three months until she was going to let them hold her. And it was even in one of your preschool rooms that I led my first RE group. And I would be lying if it says it doesn't feel, it feels strange to walk through the doors as a staff member and not a friend. Strange at how life has come full circle, but also absolutely wonderful. When I first came to UUASA as a friend and was first serving RE, I didn't have the words to describe my philosophy of RE, but I know the things I learned here affected it. Before I tell you what my philosophy of RE is, though, I want to tell you about my favorite parts of religious education. It was when my past sixth graders created their own religion dedicated to turtles, aptly named Turtleism. It was when one of your RE groups used the example of my pregnant belly to talk about expansion and contraction. It was when I see a youth hold the door open for one of our elders on a Sunday morning or when all ages are laughing together at the Christmas Eve service because mysteriously all the animal costumes went missing, so a frog, a polar bear, and a cow joined Mary and Joseph in the manger. <laughs> it is watching all ages work together in the kitchen for social hour and potlucks, and when the third graders rally around a pier during joys and concerns because their grandparent is ill, or when they bust out in spontaneous singing of happy birthday because someone's joy is that it's their birthday this week. Now, some of you may have noticed not all of those things take place in the hour we call Sunday morning RE program. There is a quote attributed to Connie Goodbread and Susan Smith that is based on the work of Maria Harris that goes, everything we do is faith formation. Everything we teach is Unitarian Universalism and the congregation is the curriculum. Put another way, religious education, faith formation, faith development, whatever you call it, is not just in our RE classrooms on Sunday mornings between the RE kids and their leaders. Rather, we are teaching what it means to be Unitarian, Unitarian Universalists, and we are teaching what we value in the things we talk about, the things we don't talk about, how we talk about them, the ways we treat each other, the ways we welcome each other, and the things we give our time to. So even if you never serve in RE, and this is my shameless pause to invite you to do so, if you've ever thought about it, come talk to me after service. But even if you never do, you are still leading, and you are still teaching religious education with every smile, every conversation, and every interaction. And for me, that's the purpose of religious education. It's not a time or a program or even knowing the seventh principles and the proposed eighth principle by heart. Rather, religious education is all of us learning and teaching each other what it means to be a Unitarian Universalist faith in a community all of the time. Community not only in the sense of the whole, but also being in community with each other, holding each other up and calling each other back when we don't, as human dues, humans do live up to our ideals. Learning how to be in relationship with ourselves and learning how to be a community of individuals who are not like-minded, but rather like-hearted. I will add for my philosophy of RE, how we do all this is just as important as what we are doing. You often hear RE professionals say, the method is the message. 
meaning the tools and actions and formats we use to convey our faith carries as much weight, and I would argue, more weight than what we talk about. As we work together in the coming months, you'll find three of my favorite hows we do this, especially during the pandemic, have been story, ritual, and play. It may seem strange to offer up this as the antidote for the last months that often felt like a year and a half of not enough, not enough connections, not enough time, not enough energy, not enough justice and equity. But research has shown that play is an incredibly powerful tool through which we can learn and connect with others, make community, build trust, and express and release emotions and stress. Play can also be used as a spiritual practice by centering us in the here and now, connecting our mind to the whole of our body, and providing us the opportunity to work through, reflect on, and find meaning in our experiences. In the same vein, story and ritual give us a container and language for our emotions to help us make meaning and provide us touchstones to those important events in our lives. And that's why I'm so glad my first Sunday at Uyawasa is for the backpack blessing. The time of year where we remind each other that no matter where you are, there is a whole community here wishing you well, that cares about what happens to you when you're not with us, and if you are ever feeling the not enoughs, you can come here and ask for more. More love, more peace, more courage, and more connection. Something that is especially needed in times like these. I'll let Brian speak more to that, but I hope from this you have a better understanding of what it is that makes me an RE professional and my passion and love for stories, play, laughter, ritual, and community. And that I am ever so grateful I will get to share all of those with you. And that is my story for today. And now I invite you to remain seated and join me in singing hymn number 123 in the gray hymnal, Spirit of Life.
So in all, I had, if I remember right, I had 21st days of school, and even more if you count new semesters in college and seminary. My mother tells me that I cried on the first day of kindergarten, and she told me that I cried on the first day of first grade also. You might think, whenever you hear that, that I didn't like being at school, but the truth is I just didn't really like being away from family all that much. In fact, I grew to love school in the freedom, and now that school's out for me, I sometimes miss it. I always felt like school really began the weeks before the first day when I started carefully, and I mean very carefully, selecting my school supplies. Big up to Yikes Pencils, is that still? No? Okay. All right. So, um, but the new clothes and the new shoes bit was always just kind of whatever to me. It's still just kind of whatever to me. But I still enjoy getting a new journal or a notebook or a new pen. And as a boy, I rode the bus. Sometimes I would ride the bus from my grandmother's house way out in the country. And so I'd wait at the end of my grandma's driveway. I was still always groggy-eyed from last night's sleep. And on the way out the door, my grandma would always remind me. She would say, Brian, you make sure you find a seat at the front of that bus. She warned me that all the girls and the boys in the back of the bus talked about things that she said would most certainly lead me to hell if I listened to what they said. And clearly I was born a universalist because even the threat of hell didn't stop me from going to the back of that bus. And when I finally heard what they talked about, I knew exactly what my grandmother was warning me about. But I listened anyways, and I just learned how to keep secrets. What confused me about my grandmother's warnings that while she might not have written the book on dirty jokes, my grandma's dirty joke book got a lot of use. A lot of use. And this ended up proving a hunch I had that adults have double standards. Adults say one thing, and they do the other. And I've since realized that Grandma and others wanted to slowly expose me to life's rougher bits and to my family's rougher bits. They wanted me to enjoy the innocence of childhood for as long as possible, and so they sheltered me, or at least they tried. And innocence is a funny thing. As a parent, you see this childhood innocence in your kids. And it's this precious thing, and I speak as a parent, and maybe you you get this a little bit. I see the innocence in my child, and I see it in other children, and there's a part of me that really wants to protect it. But most parents know that as kids get older, we have to teach and comfort them as the magic of the innocence fades, revealing some of life's tougher truths. And what I'm describing is often a best-case scenario as many kids are born into realities where sheltering isn't even a choice. In less than a week, people throughout our nation, throughout the world really, will observe the 20th anniversary of the September 11th attacks. I remember this day as if it was yesterday. I was slowly waking up in the morning, I was getting ready for school when my mom called me on the phone and she said, turn on the TV, Brian, and I want you to just stay home. And it was a tragic day that has changed the course of history. Thousands, thousands of people lost their lives, and thousands more were injured. It was also a day that brought the nation together, if only briefly. Everyday folks made brave sacrifices, and along with first responders, they rushed into harm's way to help. 
And among the people that died, 105 of those people were expectant fathers. And today, those children are coming of age. And seven of those young adults tell their stories in a new documentary on PBS called Generation 9-11. In many ways, these kids' lives have been shaped by tragedy. And some of them feel that it is their absolute duty to make the world a better place. In some ways, they've come of age in an era plagued by terrorism. They've grown up during constant, almost constant civil unrest. They've gone to school in an era when lockdowns and Alice drills are the norm. The only politics they know are the crazy kind. The only religion they know is the polarized kind. The journalism they read is mostly biased. The nation they've grown up in has always been at war, and now they're entering adulthood with, of all this, plus a pandemic. It's tempting to say they've grown up in an era like no other, but that's only partly true. Humankind has always lived amid triumph and tragedy. It's just that we carry devices in our pockets that remind us of it all with every passing second. It's this fact that verifies Buddhism's first truth. Life is painful, or suffering is an inevitable part of life. As a parent, I try to balance harsh truths alongside the undeniable presence of beauty and goodness in the world. And despite all the phone apps, television ads, songs, influencers, and shows that tell us how happy, prosperous, and content we should be, we know the truth of our suffering. And whether we're aware or not, we must deal with our pain each and every day. My daughter, who's here, she gave me permission to tell this, my, my daughter reminded me of this fact when she came home from school one day last week with a swollen, bright red hand that caught the feisty end of a bee on the playground. My impulse whenever I saw this is I wanted to reach down and kiss it, like I did whenever she was littler. But she's older now, and she has figured out that dad's kisses do not cure bee stings. She's also figured out that parts of life, they're just going to hurt. And she's learning this in other ways, too. Lately, my daughter and I, we've been praying together for my nephew, who suffered an accident. And when I ask Ellie what she wants to pray for, she says, and I quote, I want Tipton to feel better. Or she says something like, I want Aunt Stephanie and Uncle Zach to be able to make Tipton feel happy. Ellie's prayers ask that her little cousin, they ask that he be blessed. And the word blessed comes to us from the Hebrew word baruch, which means to worship or praise or give thanks. The late Irish poet and priest John O'Donohue said somewhere that a blessing converts distance into spiritual space. To pray a blessing is to bring someone or something into your spiritual space and focusing for a time on what really matters, the well-being of the people we love. And in the book of Deuteronomy, God says, quote, See, I have set before you life and death, blessing and curse. All of us who read or hear these words have probably been paralyzed by fear or despair. And if not, may you never. But it's this mixture of life and death, blessing and curse, that moves us to pray for better outcomes, for acceptance, for love and religious healing. A friend and colleague of mine, Carl Scoville, he says this. He says that religious healing sometimes mends the body. Sometimes it just mends the soul but sometimes it does both. 
And behind this ministry of healing lies human compassion, and behind compassion lies God will that we be whole. We need to seek healing when we are hurting. We need to go out and find the healer. We need to receive what the healer can do for us, and then we must accept the outcome. We must live with it, and we must learn from it. It can be hard to see, but the world is not without compassion. The world is not without healing. It's through imperfect humans, their hearts and hands, that the divine brings blessings and mercy. And we ask for blessings because as we get older, we realize how much depends not on how awkward destiny is, but rather on how openly it is embraced. All of us need blessings, especially in hard times. I want to invite the returning students, or maybe any of the returning teachers, or anyone else here this morning who is about to embark on something new. If you're so inclined, you can rise and stand where you are for a blessing. So students, teachers, or anyone else who's starting something new. So for many of us, school started last week. Some of us are excited about new beginnings. We're excited for the new school year, a new teacher, maybe even a new school. Some of us go to school online. Some of us are homeschooled. New beginnings look different to everyone. A new year means new subjects, new demands, and friends. And so I call on the spirit of life. Be with everyone who is looking forward to what lies ahead. And some of us are worried about what might be coming. Some of us are scared. Some of us try to be brave, but it's never easy. Some of us, I've heard, don't want to be at school at all. And so I call on the spirit of life. Be with everyone who is nervous about what lies ahead. May each person's backpack, laptop, braille writer, and iPad be their friend, reminding that they are special and what they think and say matters. May their backpacks and devices help them remember how they're strong, and may they remind them that there are people in this world who believe in them and love them. Finally, Holy Spirit, be with us all, but especially the young people. Help us to remember our values and let us be guided by our faith. May this new year in church and school be filled with fun and joy. May love be with us this day and every day. May we know that here in this church, we can find friends who are in themselves a blessing and a blessing to us. And may we know that all of us, our lives and our living, are a blessing too. Amen. You're welcome to stay standing, and those of you seated are welcome to rise, if you'd like. For our closing hymn, Give Light, it's printed on a separate sheet of paper that was out on the table in the atrium.
there's, there's some stuff out in the atrium for you to make um, uh, something for the kids to attach to their backpacks. So I encourage you, if you haven't, to stop by there and you can make something and leave it. And kids, as the church year starts to get underway, they can take it. I'm sure they'd appreciate it. Or if you just want to flex your art muscle this morning, you can do that as you make your way out. Um, and with that, may the truth that sets us free and the hope that never dies and the love that casts out fear lead us forward together until the day spring breaks and all shadows flee away. Good to see you all this morning. You're welcome to relax, have a seat, and enjoy the postlude, and I'll say hi to you, on you as you make your way out this morning.